Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. All right, go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and look with me, if you will, to the 10th chapter of the book of Mark. Mark chapter number 10, and as we enter into this 10th chapter, we enter into a busy part of the journey of the Lord Jesus Christ as He was on His way to the cross of Calvary, and that is the journey in which we are on with Him as we go through this gospel of Mark. We are leading up to Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. Jesus is not dead, amen? Hallelujah. Well, we're going to stop along the way here in Mark chapter 10 as we make a journey along the life of Christ. Now, along the way to the cross, Jesus was constantly teaching lessons to different ones, to His disciples, and Mark chapter 10 is no different. I am going to admit this morning that at first glance, I I struggled through Mark chapter 10. It's a long chapter, it's 52 verses, and I've been meditating and musing on the passage all week long, and in study, and in prayer, and reading, and Rereading and re re rereading and over and over again trying to make sense what's happening in, in this chapter. Now, at first glance, each paragraph and each event that is taking place appears to be separate. They all have some strong teaching and one particular lesson in and of themselves. And I would tell you, if time would allow, we could really uh, stop for probably seven or eight weeks and preach on each individual paragraph of what's taking place in this chapter. But instead, I decided to just take all eight sermons and just we're going to preach those this morning and maybe a little bit into this afternoon. Uh, Possibly, no, not really, Um, but uh, we're going to be out just right on time, but uh, we'll we'll get through the entire chapter uh, this morning. But uh, in in saying this, I, I do... I want you to note that not everything just simply falls into place when it comes to Bible study. Uh, It does take a little bit of work. It takes uh, pouring in, and uh, we do uh, want to get into this this morning. I'm going to start at the end of the chapter. Uh, We're going to start at the end in verse number 46 this morning because I believe this is where this chapter all comes together. And then we're going to go back to the beginning and put it all together and see how it nicely fits together. And so let's begin reading at verse number 46, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter in verse number 52. So the Bible says this in verse number 46. It says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people. Blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Then he charged him he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. They called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, and he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, 
rose and came to Jesus. Jesus came and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now as we look at these few verses here from verse 46 down through verse number 52, we find a beggar. He was blind. His name was Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was here sitting at the gate by the side of the highway, begging people going in and out. But on this particular day, he heard that Jesus was coming by. And as you read and we described here, when he heard Jesus was near, he began to cry out, Jesus. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And you can see what the scripture says here. There were people all around. Some people telling a Bartimaeus, oh hush, be quiet. Quiet yourself. But I want you to notice in verse number 49, something that gripped my attention this week. In all of what's happening in Mark chapter number 10. If you're in the habit of marking in your Bibles, I would invite you to mark this very first phrase. Or we'll use it as way of titling the sermon this morning. A very simple phrase, but I think one of profound simplicity. As Bartimaeus is crying out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me, the Bible says, and Jesus stood still. And Jesus stood still. There's a great number of people going around. People going in and out of the city. All kinds of things happening. In and out, the disciples going around, people clamoring for the attention of Jesus. People trying to get Bartimaeus to be, be quiet. And in the midst of what was quite possibly a bit of chaos, Jesus stood still. I want you to remember that this morning as we go through this chapter, and as we go through this day, the fact that Jesus stood still. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we thank You. Father, for many times in our lives, we've seen the chaos of the day. We've seen the chaos of the night and many things clamoring for our attention. Father, we know that from time to time we simply must Stand still. So Father, I pray this morning that you would help each one of us to get a hold of what your scripture is saying this day. God, that it might grip our very soul. The lessons that are being taught in this chapter, God, I pray that you would help us not to see the busyness of what's taking place here, but Father, May we see the compassion of a Savior that was willing to stand still. May we see that same compassion in our own lives this day. God, move within our midst. May you have our attention this morning. These next few moments. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
As Jesus stood still in verse number 49, I want you to picture and keep this scene in your mind. As we go back to verse number 1, and I want you to see four lessons before we get to the crux of the message this morning. I'm going to try to give these to you as quickly as possible so you can see what's taking place here in Mark chapter 10 and leading up to this event with blind Bartimaeus, but we've got to make some sense of what is taking place within Mark chapter 10. Of course, Jesus is constantly traveling with his disciples, and Mark chapter 10 is no different. And when we see Jesus in verse number 1 coming to the coast of Judea and to the further side of Jordan, and the people are resorting unto him, and, uh, and he was, in, as it says in verse number 1, and he was want, and he taught them again. And so we see Jesus, he's gathered, and people are gathering to him. And in verse number 2, we come to a... a a portion of scripture that is probably familiar and one that, and, and really most of these are probably familiar. And so we're not again going to spend a, a long time here, but I want you to see the lessons that Jesus is, is going through here and what's happening as we lead up to the crux of the message. But in verse number two, the Bible says, and the Pharisees came to him. Now remember, the Pharisees are the trained religious leaders they know the law. They know uh, they've been trained within what is happening. They are the leaders of the Jewish law. And it, they ask him this question. They said, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Now notice what Mark says right after this. They said, they asked this, tempting him. Tempting him. And he answered and said unto them, what did Moses command you? And so he answers their question with a question. So what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept. From the beginning or but, notice this, so verse number 5, he answers, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept. But, from the beginning of the creation of God, or, from the, or of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house, his disciples asked him again of the same matter. So stop there just for a moment. So you see what's happening here is the Pharisees are coming and they're asking Jesus this question. They're wanting to tempt Him. They're wanting to trap Him within uh, their questioning and they want to know. They said, how do you feel and what do you think? Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Is it lawful? Well, Jesus just simply responds and asks the question, what does the law say? It's a fair question. They want to know, is it lawful? Jesus says, what does the law say? Well, the law says, give her a writer a bill of divorcement to put her away. And Jesus said, you are right. And that was written and given unto you for the hardness of your heart. He wrote you this precept. He said, yes, that is what it says. But, he said, but from the beginning, from the beginning, you need to understand something. God made them male and female. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. 
So here you have the Pharisees coming to Jesus, and they're asking him this question. What's the law say? Is it lawful? Jesus says, what does the law say? Well, here's what the law says. Jesus says, okay, well, here. No, so his disciples come in. Now it's just him and the disciples. They're in this private meeting, and his disciples want to know the same question. Now look what he says. Saith unto them, Whosoever, verse 11, put away his wife and marry another, committeth adultery against her. If a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. So here we find Jesus on this lessons of the foundations of marriage. They come in and they want to know, what does the law say? Is it lawful for this? Jesus just simply says, well, what does the law say? Well, the law says this. And he says, well, that's right. But you see, the matter here is not about the law. Sometimes we get so focused, especially as a Pharisee within this passage here, and we see this over and over again with throughout the Gospels, the Pharisees were so focused, so focused on the law that they often missed what God said. Isn't that something? And I wonder how often that we get so caught up in our rules and regulations of everything that we miss what God says. I'm not against rules. I'm not against regulations. That's not what I'm getting at this morning. I don't think that's what Jesus was getting at. I think that's really obvious because uh, Jesus went way far beyond the law, didn't he? It's really quiet. I know it's not a comfortable uh, situation here. I understand that. What I'm getting at is this, and I think what Jesus is getting at is this. He's saying the law, what was the law for? What was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law was to be a schoolmaster. The purpose of the law was to, to show us, was, was to be somewhat of a mirror, to hold it up, to show us who we are as men and women, to say, look, you're sinners. Amen. Or maybe we could even say, oh me. Because you know what? I'm a sinner. It's like you're a sinner. That was the purpose of the law. But you see, the Pharisees wanted to know who's the lawbreaker? Who's breaking the law? And Jesus, are you going to stand by the law or not? What Jesus was saying is, are you going to stand by the word of God? not because he said yeah he gave you that for the hardness of your heart that's why he gave you this precept but from the beginning from the beginning of creation God made them male and female In verse number 9 he said what therefore God hath joined together let not man put asunder. He goes through in verse 11 and 12, and he goes way far beyond the law. Far beyond the law of what the law says. He says, unto whom? Put away his wife and marry another, committeth adultery against her. If a woman shall put away her husband and marry another, she committeth adultery. And then it just ends. I told you there's a lot going on in Mark chapter 10. It just ends. And in verse number 13, they brought a young, young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Now, I, sometimes we get a little harsh on the disciples. I know that. And uh, they're, they're learning and they're men just like 
we are. And uh, I, I, I like that in the disciples because we can learn a lot from them. Amen. But there, it's kind of funny here. Once again, we see the disciples, and you can kind of picture this scene here. Jesus is, is coming in. He's, he's there, and the disciples are here. And, and so people are coming in. And we're about to learn a different lesson here, okay? So they're starting to bring children in. Now, everybody knows children are a disruption. They will disrupt your life. They're a good disruption. Amen. Amen. So here are the disciples. People coming in, they got these kids. They just want Jesus to touch them. That's it. Will you touch my baby? Will you touch my child? Will you do this? And, and to the best we can tell, these aren't sick children. They didn't need a healing. They just wanted Jesus. They just wanted their children to meet Jesus. So the disciples are like, no, get them out of here. They got to go. No children allowed. Hey, I've been in churches like that, okay? Just saying. Can you imagine? No children allowed. Jesus has a problem with this. As a matter of fact, we know this because in verse number 14, it says, when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. He was displeased. Now look, you can be, you can be pleased or you can be displeased. What was Jesus? He was displeased. Means he wasn't happy about it. Amen. Here's the disciples. Again, they think they're doing a good thing. I, I really believe that. I really believe the disciples had really good intentions by shooing the children away. But it displeased Jesus. Amen. And it ought to. It ought to displease us. Because look what Jesus said. Look what he said. Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. He took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. you got to picture this scene. And here's the lesson that I'm getting at on, on this particular passage within this, is, again, you've got children and, and adults here. It's not just children. You have adults bringing the children in. You have the disciples saying, no, you cannot. Because remember, they rebuked them. That means they weren't nice about it. That's what rebuked means. They were not nice about it. It was, no. Mm. They weren't nice about this. You're not coming in. This is not for you. The disciples, let me just say this, they weren't friendly. This is a lesson on friendliness. When Jesus saw it, he was displeased. And he said, no. He said, no. Jesus said, no. Not putting up with that. Amen. He said, bring, bring the little ones over here. Bring them over here. Amen. Amen. Bring the little ones over here. He brought the little ones over. He picked them up in his arms. Oh. I don't know about you, but I would have liked to have seen that scene. Jesus, again, we don't know how old these kids were. Three, four, five, I don't know. Jesus picked them up. He held them. 
and he blessed him. I don't know how long it took. I don't know why it was such an inconvenience to the disciples. Jesus stopped it all. He said, no. He said, fellas, that is not what we're about. Amen? Hey, as Christians, as people, as a church, we can't be about that. We've got to be about all people, amen? Suffer everybody to come in, but especially the little children. Here's another lesson, verse 17. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do to him that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not thy honor, or defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. He answered unto him, Master, all of these I observe from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, follow me. He was sad that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Uh-oh. Here's a lesson on following. So we have a lesson on the foundations of marriage. We have a lesson on friendliness. We have a lesson on following. Here's a man. He did everything right. I mean, look, he comes to Jesus respectfully. I mean respectfully with the right attitude, the right spirit. He comes kneeling in a worshipful attitude. He's been trying hard. He's been doing everything that he knows to do that's right. What can I do to inherit eternal life? I've heard about it. What can I do? Jesus says, well, you, you've heard about these things. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. He said, oh, I've done all of these. Since I was a youth, I've kept all of these. Jesus loved him. He said, okay, well, that one thing you lack. What's that? Well, we'll take everything you have. Sell it all. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross. Follow me. Um, excuse me? What now? Well, just sell everything you have. Take up a cross, follow me. Come on, let's go. Wherever I go, you go. This whole countenance changed, folks. says it right here. He went away sad. He was grieved. For he had great possessions. He had great possessions. Hey, look, can I just say, and I'm, I'll probably meddling here just a little bit, but you and I, at least as far as I can tell, best I know, you and I don't have probably as great as possessions as this guy. But you and I have some of the same problems this guy has.
Jesus said the same thing to us, we'd have the same issues? Let's be honest. Let's not get all over this guy. Amen. But he's given this lesson. So this guy walks away. I told you, this is, this is a deep chapter here, I'm telling you. This guy walks away, and Jesus looks about. The disciples are there. Jesus says, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? The disciples were astonished at his words. I mean, they were taken back. They were like, wait, what? But Jesus answereth, saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? Now notice, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, he didn't say for those who are rich. He said for those that trust in riches. There's a difference. There's a difference. For those that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God, verse 25 says, it is easier for a camel, it's a big animal, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. They were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? I think that's a fair question, honestly. And as Jesus was looking upon them, He said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. You might want to underline that. You might want to circle that. You might want to highlight that because that, my friend, is a wonderful, wonderful verse. It's a wonderful, wonderful way of life with men. It is impossible. I love this next part, but not with God. Not with God. Amen. With men, it is impossible. Who then can be saved? With men, it's impossible. It always was impossible with men. It always will be impossible with men. Amen. But with God, all things are possible. And Peter, oh, I love Peter. He began to say unto him, Lo, oh, 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 we have left all and have followed thee. He says, look, Jesus, <laughs> we left it all. And followed you. And Jesus answered, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands. Hold on. With persecutions in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, the last first. Say what? You're saying, we left everything to have eternal life, but here we're going to get persecutions? Say, wait a second. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. That guy on the, on the TV said, if I give $100, I'm going to get 1000 back. And Jesus said, you're going to get persecution. Hey, friend, we should not be shocked and surprised about Christian persecution. Amen. You say, wait a minute, pastor, this is America. It cannot happen. Jesus said it would. But this is America. 
I know, but Jesus said it would. Now look, I'm not, I'm not asking for it. I don't necessarily want it. I don't necessarily like it. Jesus said it would gonna, it's going to happen. So I can't be shocked by it. I can't be surprised by it. Paul told us that in the last days, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Amen. So we can't be shocked by it. He said, yeah, you're going to have persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. Amen. Now check this out. I Honestly, I don't know how many times I've, I've read through the book of Mark. I don't know how many times. I've preached this. I've preached through Mark chapter 10 before. Never saw this in verse 32. Totally missed it. Check this out. It's pretty neat. They were in the way going up to Jerusalem. Jesus went before them. They were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Anybody ever see that before? Am I the only one that just missed it? They were amazed. They were afraid. He took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. Saying, Behold, go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priest and unto the scribes. They shall condemn him to death shall deliver him to the Gentiles. They shall mock him, scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. Okay. Hold on. I get it. I get it. They're amazed at everything that's happening. This is kind of a... This isn't talk you want to hear. Go through. I don't know, I, look, as a pastor, I, I go through this from time to time with people, but it's not a talk that you want to go through all the time. But, I mean, anybody anybody go through and you've, you've planned, like, your funeral and your next things and all of that? Anybody done that yet? You can raise your hand. It's okay. I know. You don't want to talk about it. I, I can tell. Or you don't have enough caffeine. <laughs> I don't know. Are you with me? Okay. Uh, look, I, I recommend pre-planning your funeral. It just makes it easy. Sometimes you have to talk about those things. But nobody wants to talk about it. It doesn't make anybody feel nice and good. And it kind of makes you like, uh, that's what they're going through. But it's not just that. He's telling them what's going to happen. And now here they are. They're afraid. Jesus, we left everything to follow you. Well, yeah, you did. And there's blessings in it going to be persecuted. But you're going to have eternal life in the other next world. The next life, you're going to have it. And as they're following, they're talking about these things, and yeah, this is what's going to happen. They're afraid. And then this blows me away. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they come unto him after this conversation. They say, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we, should, we that desire. We shall desire. Wait, what? So we read that again. Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. How many of you have children? Yeah. You've been asked this same thing. I have kids. I remember my girls a few years ago. They came in. They double teamed me. Oh, did they ever. They wanted something. Whenever they say, Daddy, it's on. Wall goes up for me, and I'm like, what? Daddy. Then they say it a second time. Then I say, no. Daddy, we think. And then you know it's going to be big. One of them comes and says that I can handle it. Two of them, it's like, oh, man, it's on. That's what James and John are doing. They're saying, we, we, we 
you think you should, you know, just give us whatever we want. Jesus says, well, what would you that I should do for you? It's a big ask right here. Check this out. They said unto him, grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and one on thy left hand in thy glory. Wow. Jesus said, um, ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, we can. Jesus said unto them, ye shall indeed drink of that cup and that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with all, shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and to sit on my left hand is not mine to give. But it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. Who did not see that coming? I mean, who didn't see that coming? Hey, Jesus, we... We want to, I want to sit on your right hand. James wants to sit on your left hand. What do you think? Jesus says, well, do you think you really deserve that? Well, yeah. And the other ten heard it. They're like, whoa, wait a second now. I don't think so. And of course, Jesus says, look, it's not mine to give. It's not mine to, to give this to. I can't just do that. And so he goes through in verse 42 and he calls them unto him and he says, ye, ye know that they that are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. He says, look, when they rule, it's going to be a ruling thing. Notice what he talks about in this following. He says, but so it, or so shall it not be among you. Whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Okay. Jesus says, All right, James and John. You want to sit on the right? You want to sit on the left? You want a position of prominence? Well, isn't that? The other ten? Oh, well, no, we want something too. That's, they, they probably said it. it's not in the scripture. I know this, but I guarantee you because I know people, I know, I know brothers. I know brothers. One of them. At least one of them said, that's not fair. They had to have. That's not fair. Jesus said, the Gentiles do it this way. You get exercised, you get authority, you become somebody. Tell people what to do. <laughs> yes. Jesus said, not around here. He said, you want to be great around here? You better learn how to minister. You want to be a chief around here? going to be the servant of all. Then he explains in verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, the disciples didn't get it. 
Look, you got to go back a little bit. Hey, I brought my son here today. I, I want him to meet Jesus. No. Go away. No children allowed. Jesus said, what is wrong with you? Suffer the little children. Talk with them. What was Jesus doing? He was ministering. He wasn't there to be ministered unto. Everywhere Jesus went, he ministered. Everywhere he went. Now we come to the end. There at Jericho. It doesn't tell us what they were doing at Jericho. What they had did or what they had done. They came to Jericho and as they went out of Jericho. What they went in to do at Jericho didn't matter. Now you've got blind Bartimaeus. He's there. Now look, look, you've got to picture this in your mind. You've got to picture this. He's there, he's begging. As he did probably most every day. It's, it, it's interesting. We've, we've lived in a few different places, and we've lived in areas where, where there's a homeless population. I don't know how else to say that. And some, some areas and cities have a different population of homeless than others. But I've learned something. I've worked with homeless Homeless have areas. That's my corner. It's mine. And they will fight you over a corner. It's theirs. That's, that's where they work. Bartimaeus had his, had his spot, more than likely. He sat by the highway. Side begging. He was there. And you can picture this scene. I mean, the Bible paints it for us beautifully. They're there by the highway. People are coming. Notice a great number of people. Now, I don't know how many a great number of people are. But it was a great number of people. I would say a great number of people is probably more than 50. It's a great number of people. They're coming in and out. And there's blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. He's there and he's begging. Now people are talking. Now remember, he's blind. He can't see. So he's there and he's hearing people go back and forth. And he's got his cup or whatever and he's, you know, got his coverings on and he's got his cup and he's jiggling it and you know, money, whatever he's saying, got any change, sir, spare a nickel, whatever. Then somebody says, oh, oh, there's Jesus. Hey, is that Jesus? Bartimaeus hears it. He's heard about Jesus. He knows about Jesus. When he hears that that's Jesus, He's sitting, he's not standing. He cries out. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He's loud. He's loud. Now, and you know, you got to get pretty loud to be loud above a crowd. I went to a basketball game last night. Some say I was loud. Do not believe a word Norm says. He was loud. I, I don't know. I was pretty loud. I like to get loud. Some say they could hear me across the court. I was on the other side. 
There was a crowd there. But you've got to get pretty loud to be heard above a crowd. So you can imagine how loud Bartimaeus was. But you've got to remember, Bartimaeus was a beggar man. And so, somebody walking by told him to be quiet. Be quiet. Hush. He doesn't want you. So now what it says? They charged him that he should hold his peace. Now, I don't know who they were, but they did it. That just made him cry out even more. I'm kind of like Bartimaeus. Tell me to be quiet. No, I'm just going to get louder. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. They told him, be quiet. He said, no, he cried out a great deal more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. All these people moving about. People coming and going. And one man above the rest of the crowd crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Now remember, they were leaving. They were departing. They had came to Jericho and they went out of Jericho with his disciples. Jesus is leaving. Maybe some people there, bye Jesus, see you next time Jesus. Ah. I don't know what the story was. But Bartimaeus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Jesus stops. He stood still. Bring him here. Now, the total demeanor changed. Check this out. At first, they're telling him, be quiet, hush, mm, no more. Mm. But then they call the blind man, saying unto him, be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose, came to Jesus. And Jesus answered unto him, what wilt that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said unto him, now check this out, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. Jesus said, what did you need? He says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy, have mercy. Bring him here. What do you need? What would you have me do? I just want to see. Oh, well, thy faith hath made thee whole. Immediately. Just like when you wake up in the morning. It was that way for Bartimaeus. He could see. Jesus said, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Hallelujah. The end of the story, right? No. It's not the end of the story. You see, when Bartimaeus was told to go thy way, his faith had made him whole. Something happened. We see this lesson, this last lesson, was a lesson on faith. Lesson on faith. And in all of this that we've gone over this morning, it all hinges upon faith. What are you going to do with yours? Bartimaeus, what made you cry out to Jesus? 
It was faith. What made Jesus stop in his tracks? Oh, it was the sound of faith. What made the people change their tune? When Jesus stood still. Jesus said, what would you have me to do? He said, I just want to see. Jesus said, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go thy way. Immediately, his eyes were open. He could see. Whew. Wow. Go thy way, Bartimaeus. Go thy way. He said, well, I believe I'll follow you. Wait, what? That's what it says. He followed Jesus in the way. Okay, we started with the, with the Pharisees. Is it lawful? Jesus said, well, what does the law say? You know what the law says. What did God say? No children allowed. What, are you kidding me? Bring them over here. Jesus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Follow me. I can't do that. Well, Jesus, we've left all and followed you. Aren't we great? Can we sit on your left and right? You won't be great until you serve. Have mercy. Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I believe I'll follow you. As Jesus stood still. Jesus stood still. In all of this, Jesus stood still. Aren't you glad there was a day in your life that Jesus came by your way and stood still? Ah, where's your faith today? Is your faith in the letter of the law? Are you just wanting it to be us and no more? No one else allowed. It's just us, just, just us and Jesus. Everyone else can stay out. Are you willing to follow Jesus? Most are not, by the way. Let me ask you this, are you afraid of what your future looks like? It's very likely we get that way. We shouldn't be, by the way. We win in the end. In case you didn't know that, we win in the end. But most importantly, where is your faith at today? In all that is going on, in all that's going on in our culture, in all that is going on in our lives today, if we want to get God's attention, it's going to be gotten by faith. What made Jesus stop? What made Jesus stand still? It's faith. Plain and simple. It was faith. It's his faith that made him cry out. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that God will not be pleased without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. He is a rewarder 
them that diligently seek Him. Jesus said, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Bartimaeus said, Well, my way is wherever you're going. Isn't that something? He left everything. You say, Well, he didn't have much to leave. I think that's the point, isn't it? And the rich man had much to leave, but if he had sold it all and given it away, guess what? He wouldn't have had much to leave. He would have had just as much as Bartimaeus and gained everything in the process. Faith and Jesus stood still. Every head bowed, every eye closed.